We're in 2 Samuel chapter 18. This morning we'll look at the death of Absalom. As we continue our study in 2 Samuel, David has fled Jerusalem, and he's fled Jerusalem to avoid uh, additional unneeded bloodshed. Absalom is David's third son, and he's an ambitious son. But Absalom is plotting how to kill his father David because Absalom wants to be king. And to kill his father would secure the kingship for himself. But we have Ahithophel. He is a former counselor of David's, and Scripture tells us that Ahithophel was a wise counselor, but Ahithophel has joined up with Absalom, given Absalom his advice as what he should do, but uh, his advice was rejected by Absalom. And Ahithophel, he fully realizes Absalom's attempt to rule and reign as king is at best temporary. Ahithophel knew that his days were numbered. So what does he do? He returns to his home. He goes back home, he puts his house in order, and he kills himself. Ahithophel will go down and he will be known as a traitor to David because he's not willing to deal with the consequences of his uh, treasonous acts. He's not willing to deal with the consequences of defecting to Absalom, David's son. Of Hithophel, he's had a grudge towards David. He's He has revenge towards David because of the Bathsheba thing. Bathsheba was Ahithophel's granddaughter. But revenge has a price. And now Ahithophel will kill himself. He would rather die than face the shame and judgment that will come when David returns to the throne. And he sees that David will return to the throne. And so he kills himself. But as we move into chapter 18, we see Absalom, he takes the advice of Hushai. Hushai is a a counselor who has remained loyal to David. And he has one purpose, and that is to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. He is to give advice that is counterproductive of Ahithophel. Absalom falls into the will of God without realizing it because he accepts Hushai's advice. God has answered the prayer of David. David has prayed, Lord, have the counsel of Ahithophel to Absalom 
have it be defeated. And God answers that prayer. Many times we think our decisions are our own decisions and that we've weighed the pros and the cons of a situation and we come to a conclusion. And many times it's just God sorting out in our own hearts what he wants done. But let's read the details of Absalom's defeat and of his death. And that's in 2 Samuel 18, 1 through 18. And David numbered the people who were with him, and he set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. Then David sent out one-third of the people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zuriah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Atai, the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered, You shall not go out, for if we flee away, they will not care about us. Nor if half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. In other words, David, stay out of the battle. We don't want to lose you. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Atai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. And the people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David. A great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside and the woods and devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree and his head was caught in the terebinth. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which, he was, which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it, and he told Joab and said, I saw Absalom hanging in a terebinth tree. So Joab said to the man, You saw him, and why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king commanded you, Abishai and Atai, saying, Beware lest anyone touch the young man, Absalom. Otherwise I would have dealt falsely against my own life, for there is nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust him through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. So Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing Israel for Joab held back the people. 
And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods, laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all of Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument. We'll stop there. Not all the people of Israel are joined to Absalom. A great number have followed him. The majority of the people have followed him. But we see David, he appoints three captains over the thousands, over the hundreds of the troops that are loyal to him. David has a sizable army himself. And David gives instruction to his captains. Verse 5, deal gently with Absalom, for he is my son. David sees in Absalom kind of a lot of himself. As a father, David was concerned for Absalom. That's his son. And he probably blames himself for the type of man Absalom has become. As parents, we can and sometimes quite often do blame ourselves for the behavior of our children. I have a question. Don't shout out an answer, but I have a question. When does my child become my brother or sister in the Lord. There comes a time when they're their own person before God. When do children become responsible for their own behavior? As a parent, we never stop loving our children. We try to help our kids any way we can. But at some point, they become their own adult. And they become responsible before the Lord for their own behavior. And I've determined what that age is. You want to know what that age is? It's around 45 to 50. No. <laughs> but seriously, sooner or later, we must let our children go and be their own person. And that many times includes letting them make their mistakes. Where do you and I learn? We learn from our mistakes more than we learn from our triumphs or victories. And David is in the midst. He's in the throes of seeing Absalom for who he is. And notice in our passage, David's concern for Absalom. Now, remember, Absalom is out to kill him. But, you know, we don't stop loving a child when that child rebels. You can't just turn off your love. And David will receive the news of Absalom's death. And he will say, oh, my son, Absalom. And he repeats that about three or four times at the end of chapter 18. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 6, it tells us, 
uh, Absalom will take the battle to the woods of Ephraim, and David and his captains uh, will fight Absalom there in the woods, fight uh, Israel there in the wilderness of Ephraim. And in verse 8, we read a telling thing, and it tells us the woods, the thickets, the briars, the pits, and all this devour more of Israel's troops than David and his, and his soldiers with their swords. Israel, as a nation, the ten northern tribes, have more or less sided with Absalom against David. But here we see God once again using a natural setting to fight on David's behalf. We read earlier in uh, our study of the word that uh, in the, some of the battles, God thundered in lightning and he did it so ferociously that it killed more troops than Israel's troops kill. But the woods of Ephraim, they have their dangers. They have cliffs. They have pits. They have briars. They have thickets where you try to go through them, you would get trapped, and you became easy prey for another soldier to kill you. And Absalom becomes a victim of these woods. <clears throat> His mule runs under thick boughs or limbs of a terabith tree, and it leaves Absalom hanging there in the tree. What is he hanging by? That long, beautiful hair of his. <laughs> Let's keep it shaved. Keep it, keep it clean. <laughs> and we have just recently thickets on our little farm. We have wooded areas that you can't walk through. They're so thick. And I'm out there, and I'm bush hogging. That's running a mower around and cutting down a lot of weeds, and I'm cutting down weeds and things that are tall as my tractor. And I'm being careful as I go under these low-hanging branches of trees, and they can cause you injury. If nothing else, they can slap you silly. But uh, you got to be careful when you go and mow under heavy thickets and trees. But one of David's men sees Absalom hanging in the tree, and he isn't dead. He's just hanging there, struggling probably. And the man runs to Joab with the news that Absalom is hanging in a tree. And Joab has a question. Why did you not kill him? And he says, no, no, Joab. We heard David command you Captains, deal gently with Absalom. Do not harm him. Joab has been very loyal to David, along with the other two captains. Joab, however, he's willing to take matters into his own hands. And he takes three spears. He arises. And he thrusts these spears through Absalom. 
And it says in the heart, but all the heart really means when you speak in scripture is your innermost being. So he probably didn't hit the heart, but he, but he mortally wounds him with these three spears. But here's the question. Is Joab right or is he wrong in his actions? Ten of Joab's armor bearers come and they finish off Absalom. But now Joab blows the trumpet, stopping David's troops from pursuing the Israel troops. And Joab causes a halt to come to this civil war, this bloodshed that's going on. And they take Absalom's body, they throw it into a pit, they put a big pile of stones over him, and the word spreads, Absalom is dead. And all of those that followed Absalom melt away, they retreat, they have no reason to fight now because their wannabe king, Absalom, he's dead. No reason to continue their fight. Absalom is dead and David remains king. So Joab, he blows the trumpet. The trumpet they used to uh, tell their troops what was going on. There was a, a certain way they would blow it for retreat. There was another way they'd blow it for stop. And evidently they blow the stop trumpet. Stop the slaughter of the fellow Israelites. And we have Joab being guilty of disobedience to David. But I want you to consider, is Joab doing right by killing Absalom? He calls the battle to an end, lives are saved. Many Bible commentators condemn Joab for killing Absalom, for disobeying David. But consider, Joab knows David very well. Earlier, Joab received a message from David when David was involved in the sin of Bathsheba and he was wanting to do away with Uriah, her husband. And he tells Joab, put Uriah in the heat of the battle next to the city walls and then pull back from him. And I think it grieved the heart of Joab for he knew Uriah. He knew he was courageous. He knew he was a loyal troop. And I think it grieved Joab's heart that David would give the command to kill Uriah. And he made Joab part of that killing. Uriah, without a doubt, was a trusted soldier. Joab has also seen the lack of discipline in David towards his sons. In particular, Amnon and then Absalom. Joab has witnessed the rebellion of these sons against David, the king, his leader. And Joab, he's a man of war. 
He's accustomed to battle. He's a leader of men in battle. And Joab is a patriot. He's loyal to the core for the good of Israel. He's the one that brought in Absalom to reconcile with David before Absalom revolted. Joab does not hesitate to kill this enemy of Israel. And then he disposes of Absalom's body in a pit and he covers it with stones. Joab takes away any memorializing of Absalom by anybody. He buries him in a pit, covers the pit with stones. And Joab will not even allow a runner to run to David with the news of Absalom's death. Not today. You wait. Do not run to David on the day that his son is killed. And we have live by the sword, die by the sword for Absalom coming full circle. Joab, in an act of disobedience, kills Absalom. Absalom, who was completely disloyal to his father, King David. Did Absalom deserve to die? He was a murderer. He was a traitor. He was a rapist. I think he deserved to die. Capital punishment deserves to be executed here upon Absalom, but not necessarily through Joab. But I don't judge Joab so severely. We have to make our own decisions regarding difficult matters sometimes. That's why many times we're divided on elections and all these different things. I once knew a military man that I had a lot of respect for. And I asked him point blank, could you kill a traitor for the good of the country without due process of law? Could you suffer your own character, reputation, being slandered, perhaps even being prosecuted for your behavior? Could you kill a traitor? He had one word answer for me. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and I was a little bit surprised that he was so willing to suffer the consequences of taking matter into his own hands for the good of others. I think Joab did what was best for his country and before God. Joab knew King David. Joab also knew Absalom, his enemy, the king's son. And I think Joab did what was required in his own mind to do. When Joab came upon Absalom hanging there in the, uh, the limbs of this oak tree, hanging there by his hair, he wanted to know why this soldier under his command had not killed Absalom. Why didn't you kill him? Joab tells the soldier, 
I would have made you rich. I would have given you ten shekels of silver and given you a belt of honor. This belt of honor was sort of like what we would call a purple heart today, where you give it to a brave soldier who's went above and beyond uh, duty. But here's the thing. That's my opinion. What do you think? There's no right or wrong answer here, I don't think, but I sure understand Joab's behavior. Was Joab prudent in killing Absalom, or was he disobedient? And you can make a case for either action. For me, Joab deserves honor, not judgment, for killing David's enemy, who happened to be his son, and saving, he blew the trumpet and saved many lives. Joab knew David's inability to judge or discipline his own children, and he took matters into his own hand. And I think many times we have to take matters into our hands. We live in a society today that says you don't pray on the job. You don't talk about Jesus on the job. Always be politically correct. If you go to a family reunion, don't talk politics, don't talk religion, you know, and these kind of things. And we become silent. And I think we become silent when the Lord would have us speak up. If we, as God's people, are not going to tell the truth, if we're not going to be salt and light, who is? Who is going to be salt and light? Our society glorifies sin. That's the only way you can say it. It glorifies sin, and we must have the courage to say that's wrong. That is not right. Uh, my TV watching has been reduced to the science channel, sports, and a couple of... I don't watch any sitcoms. And uh, because I consider them uh, unrighteous, sinful, in their message, we have to be light, my Christian friends. We have to be light. We have to be light in a dark society. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer.